From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome aboard, friends. Before we get started, let's once again welcome KBURAM 1490 in Burlington, Iowa. It's actually, uh, I believe the market is quad, referred to as Quad Cities. Uh, but I don't know, how do you say hello to f- Quad Cities? Uh, so I thought I would just sort of pick one <laughs> and say, Burlington, how are you? Burlington, Iowa. Uh, KBURAM 1490. We, we said hello to them last week, but I believe this is the week they're actually signing on to the broadcast. So always uh, a delight to welcome new affiliates to the program and uh, to welcome all of you individually as well. I hope you're uh, safe and warm. You can just smell autumn in the air, right? It won't be long before the frost is on the pumpkin, as they say. Hey, of course, everyone is still abuzz about this horrible shooting in the uh, Washington uh, Navy Yard that happened last week, claiming 12 people. But here's an interesting email that's going around that I received, courtesy of our good friend Nelson Thal, who joins us here in the program from time to time. I just thought I would share this with you in the early going before we uh, get kick-started here. You know when a shooting is government-staged when the shooter is former military, the shooter is a mental health patient of the military, the shooter was taking psychiatric medication, the shooter has top-secret clearance, there are multiple unknown shooters. How many times have we heard that? Not only in this case, but uh, in, in many, many cases. We hear the initial reports, more than one shooter, and then we don't hear about it again. There are multiple unknown shooters. Only one shooter is caught and blamed. The shooter could not have succeeded without help. The shooter is killed before he can be questioned. The shooting is at a contained government facility. The government is running active shooter drills. Sound familiar? The media jumps all over the story at once. The politicians have legislation ready to pass instantly. The guns involved are exactly what the legislators want to ban. And then it says, updated, add your own in the replies. And the list is growing, I guess, as this uh, email goes round and round. Thank you for that, Nelson Thal. Many of those things do sound eerily familiar, like, yes, I've seen this movie before, and I know how it ends. Well, that's a particularly tragic example, of course. But many of us are, in fact, beginning to sense that there is something terribly wrong with this picture. You may call it high strangeness, uh, if you will. In fact, I just want to crib here from a new book out called On the Edge of Reality, and the, uh, the co-authors are standing by to join me, Colin and Cynthia Andrews, in just a moment. I just found this very, very interesting. And they're talking about instances or opinions, I guess, on paranormal phenomena and how they are on the rise. They use as the example, it was a poll taken about how many people believe in life after death, in the last 40 years, the number of people, for example, who believe in life after death has just grown by leaps and bounds. Now, what is that all about? I think it's something like on the order of 72%. I'm guessing this was a poll conducted in the United States. 70% of people now believe in life after death, uh, whereas I don't know what the numbers were 40 years ago, but considerably, considerably less. Now, what is that all about? Is that more and more people are now beginning to experience these things? Same thing if you look at belief in uh, extraterrestrial life or UFOs growing by leaps and bounds, other paranormal activity, ghosts and so forth. One has to ask, what is at the root of this? And so, here to help us answer that question are Colin Andrews, 
a visionary and 30-year veteran investigator of unusual phenomena. He's best known for his work with crop circles. In fact, he termed the coin back in 1983. We will get around to talking about crop circles. Colin is also responsible for discovering the correlation between patterns of radar interference and weather conditions in Australia, where weather modification projects are underway. He's currently involved in investigating consciousness and non-ordinary reality. Non-ordinary reality. I love that. He's the author of eight books, and he is, as I say, co-author of On the Edge of Reality. Colin Andrews, welcome aboard, sir. How are you? I'm very fine, thank you, Richard. Thanks for having Cynthia and I on your show. All right, and now we're going to say hello to, uh, may I call her your better half? Of course. (laughs) Cynthia Andrews. my much better half. (laughs) Well, as I always say, you know, uh, people meet the mighty Aphrodite, I say, yes, I know, I married well above my station. I'm not saying that about you, Colin. I'm not saying that about Cynthia Andrews is a naturopathic physician, energy intuitive, and author of five books, including The Path of Energy and The Path of Emotions. Uh, and uh, Cynthia, welcome to you. Well, thank you very much for having me, Richard. I'm looking forward to the talk. Well, we are going to talk about high strangeness, but we're also going to talk about, um, uh, well, uh, as much as we can get to. I mean, this is, uh, you know, uh, always the challenge. What can you, what can you uh, get done in 50 minutes or so? But we'll, we'll hopefully touch on hidden technology, powers of the mind, quantum physics, a paranormal phenomena, of course, orbs, UFOs, harmonic transmissions, and crop circles. I mean, that's you. You really bit off a lot here in this book. I mean, uh, what what led you, uh, I guess, along this path and that that resulted in this book? Uh, I'll, I'll throw that out to either of you. Well, maybe I'll just pick that uh, that one up, Richard. Um, it, the unusual uh, began for me. As an electrical engineer, which is what I am by profession, I was a senior official in the British regional government uh, in 1983 when I actually kind of just took a casual glance uh, out of my motor car on high ground and saw five perfect circles in a cereal crop. Uh, That's really when my life changed, literally. Um, And uh, this book has come out of very detailed, long, detailed years' worth of research into those crop circles, which, as you rightly say, was a a term that I coined in the early 80s. Um, But, you know, as an engineer and working with um, other scientists and engineers, uh, uh, Professor um, uh, Dr. Terence Meaden, I'm sorry, and um, Pat Delgado, a retired uh, uh, NASA engineer at the time, and a light aircraft pilot, Busty Taylor. Uh, We were gathering data. That's how it all began. Uh, Looking at uh, the unusual, hearing the unusual on occasions. And what was totally bizarre was uh, the strong impression that something else was very aware of what we were doing. Uh, we would uh, have uh, conversations which we thought were private uh, between us and uh, points that we would make with regard to what it was we had discovered in the fields would then uh, manifest uh, quite the opposite as if it was kind of um, playing back to us that we weren't just that clever and that, that, that they still had or something had some surprises up its sleeve. And, you know, this became more and more bizarre, uh, uh, totally bizarre, when uh, Busty Taylor was the light aircraft pilot flying his aircraft over southern England, very close to Stonehenge on this particular occasion. 
uh, turned to me uh, as his passenger and said, you know, wouldn't it be really quite something to see all of the circles we've seen to date uh, appear as one, one intricate design. Um, and they were all relatively simple, but they were, um, you know, they were circles straight three in a straight line, five forming a cross, and concentric rings and so on, all relatively simple compared to what we see today. Um, and there below the aircraft, not anywhere else, but below the aircraft, never as it appeared on the planet before, directly under the aircraft the next day, was exactly that. And so, you know, the research widened out uh, uh, a little while after to encompass other subjects because it was very clear that this had a, there was a very wide gambit of activity involved in the crop circle phenomena. So the book had to be written at some point, and it's now 30 years, uh, three decades down the road from that uh, casual glance which started the research, meeting Cynthia and her work coming on board, and, um, you know, it, it was a different side to the same coin is really what uh, it turned out it seems to have turned out to be so that's why the book was written because we just had to we felt put this whole thing out there uh, as we had discovered it to be uh, Cynthia, let me throw this out to you because I began sort of the preamble of this discussion uh, cribbing from, from your book uh, On the Edge of Reality uh, talking about high strangeness on the rise and I, I talked about the, uh, the, the 2002 poll conducted by the National Opinion Researcher at the University of Chicago and uh, the life after death uh, question, 72% of those polled believe in it. Uh, and I'm, I'm just wondering, what do you think is behind, uh, and I've seen other polls on another paranormal phenomena, and again, uh, this this is on the rise, this belief. What do you attribute that to? Yeah, I think you hit it exactly on the head when you said it before. More and more people are having experiences, and it's because people are having experiences that that minds are being opened and new New things are happening, and I see this in the field of natural medicine all the time, and in um, you know non-traditional medicine all the time. Is that doctors will be adamantly opposed to what we're doing, but their wives are in seeing us every day, and their wives are having experiences, or husbands, or spouses, or whatever are having the experiences, and then taking it home, and then slowly um, doctor opinion begins to change and incorporate and integrate and become more. More open, and we're seeing the same thing in paranormal phenomenon. Um, people are having experiences. The phone rings, and you know who's on the other end. You're walking down the street thinking of a friend that you haven't seen in 20 years, and you turn the corner, and there they are. And more and more and more people are having this as common everyday event, and so they begin to look beyond the natural, the you know, the conventions of, of social conventions that we have believed in all this time. And so I think you hit it exactly on the head. I guess my question then would be, why is this happening now? These, uh, you know, these phenomena have been out there uh, Mm -hmm. forever. Uh, Why now are we becoming in tune to them? Is there something, is there a rewiring in our, in our brains going on? Or is a, is there a, uh, is our global consciousness being elevated? Let me just to throw that out that out there, and when we come back, I'll get you to tackle that one. Colin and Cynthia Andrews on the line as we discuss their new book, On the Edge of Reality, Hidden Technology, Powers of the Mind, Quantum Physics, Paranormal Phenomena, UFOs, Orbs, Harmonic Transmissions, and, of course, Crop Circles. Stay with us. The world is being pulled over your eyes. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrin. 
Very nice uh, comment on the back of On the Edge of Reality from uh, the late Dr. Jesse Marcel Jr., who just recently passed. On the Edge of Reality makes us as humans aware of a new reality that is going to guide our understanding of our place in the universe and that we are all one, including the extraterrestrials who have been observing us for thousands of years. Quantum physics is slowly opening the door to mysteries of the universe and our place in it. It shows that the universe is more mysterious than we imagined and indeed more mysterious than we can imagine. Colin and Cynthia Andrews, uh, my guests, as we discuss high strangeness and, well, many uh, aspects of uh, paranormal phenomena. Before the break, I was asking, what's going on? Why are we seem to be perceiving paranormal phenomena at a much greater degree? Is it something to do with the wiring in our brain? Is it to do with the electromagnetic activity around the globe? What's at the root of all this? I think both of those things are, are involved in it, but I think the real issue going on right now is that we're going through a bottleneck in society on the planet. All of the social structures that we look to are in one way or another collapsing, whether it's economic structures or religious or political structures. And, in fact, our environmental foundation is is, is really in collapse at this time. And the old ways of doing things, the old ways of seeing the world and thinking aren't working anymore. And so we're being forced, we're, we're being pushed through and forced to change our worldview, to change how we see ourselves in the world, to have this paradigm shift. And in doing that, we're opening up levels of perception that have always been there. They're just not been used in a long time. And as you say, these events have always been there. We just haven't been paying attention to them. We've been suffering inattentional blindness where we only see the things that we're conditioned to see. But the rest of it has been there, and the conditions are really forcing us to open our eyes and pay attention more. Inattentional blindness. Yeah, Colin, can you expand on that a little bit? Because you talk about inattentional blindness in the book. And how does that work exactly? Well, it really is, you know, seeing something uh, that the subconscious uh, actually does react in some fashion to an item or an event that we we're not deeply structured in any evolved sense to acknowledge it or to see it in their conscious minds uh, you know it's like looking through a person a family member who's right in front of you um, you know, in a, in a crowded room, in in an unusual kind of environment. But if I might just say, Richard, that um, you know, on the back end of what Cynthia was saying there, in I think acknowledging as most people do now in the sciences and the study of human behaviour that we are involved uh, because we have to be in a paradigm shift. As Cynthia was saying, we are clearly at a crossroads here. There are only so many moves on the chessboard, and I think we've played most of them. You know, we're, we're at a very critical point where if we intend to stay with nature's journey, uh, we have to make our minds up who we want to be. Um, you know, the paradigm shift that uh, is underway. You know, we, 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 t- we tend to talk about paradigm shifts and the tendency to look at scientific and technological trends that usher in new thinking. Uh, and a great deal of what we're discovering, however, does not represent a change in science and technology. It represents a change in humans. You know, new information which engages the mind, uh, invents, uh, engage the emotions, and, you know, emotional shift is what pushes people to expand. Each person who has uh, experienced a high strangeness event holds a small piece of a larger picture, and it's time, I think, 
to put those pieces together. It's not about what we can theorize or prove. It is about um, what we experience and how we feel. It's about the change, changes our experiences create within us and, and uh, how that alters the way we see and interact with the world. We are at a turning point, and people's personal stories, I think, are more important than ever. It's all part of this transition uh, that is underway. And what's playing out through the paranormal and high strangeness events, uh, I think we can expect to see accelerate further because nature's systems are under such stress. Human and natural infrastructure um, is, is at a kind of crashing point. You know, we see that in our climate. Um, that's the natural one, which many think we've had a, a considerable hand in. Uh, in population is seven billions, you know, uh, and that's kind of well beyond the threshold at which can be sustained. Uh, political and religious strife is all around us this very evening as we speak, you know, with you in Toronto. And uh, the earth changes solar activity. It's all there. It cannot be denied. Uh, we simply are, as we say, the book says, on the edge of reality. Yeah, I, I think we all, many of us have this sense, it's deep down in our gut, that something wicked this way comes, uh, to quote Ray Bradbury. Yeah. We can't necessarily put our finger on it, but it, I mean, we are in the midst of this terrible, some may call it, cataclysmic event that's coming our way that's staring us in the face. Others maybe, and this is what the Mayans perhaps were talking about, when is a very painful birthing process. How do we come out the other side? If this is a birthing process, let's go with that analogy because I think there's a little more hope in that one than some cataclysmic event, a planet killer if you will. What do we expect coming out the other side? Well, um, I, I, I think it's a great opportunity to get to answer that. By uh, making a very brief statement here, I think that needs to be said. Uh, Cynthia and I um, co-authored also the uh, For the Complete Idiot's Guide series of books, the 2012 book. Uh, we were not experts in the Mayan um, prophecy. Uh, we uh, studied for some considerable months in research for writing the book. And what we certainly um, discovered was that the Mayan elders uh, never, ever did uh, relate their prophecy as the end of the world, uh, which, of course, we know, um, you know, the movie, the Hollywood movie did, and, uh, and the media kind of jumped on it and made a lot of uh, the fun and fun of the Mayan elders themselves, you know, really discredited them greatly. But 2012, as seen through the, the scientists of their day, studying astrology and astronomy happened it happened and is still happening you know what what the mayan um predicted at the end of that 25,000 year period was exactly what we were talking about just a few minutes ago and it's it's continuing to happen it it was uh, you know the end of a, an uh, of a period of time natural and man-made and a transition to a newer a period, and as you were, you know, saying there. Now, where, where, where do we come out the other side? Well, I personally think that uh, the real nub of this is uh, is basically uh, the mirror that is now being placed in in front of every single human being. You know, what we're looking at here and have to look at is as individuals. 
uh, we, we've got to find a place. We've got to be able somehow or other to get on the same page and to respect one another, um, dare I say love one another, you know, as we, as we uh, s- struggle with the most, you would think, the most simple thing to actually, uh, you know, love one another. And it is this big, huge struggle uh, to do so. Um, but I, I think that, that really is, that's the nub of this, is to, we've got to come through the, the, the um, deception and the lies. The lies and deception, which is just a hallmark of government, it would seem, of politicians, you know, we've got, this has got to end. This has got to end, and we've got to find somewhere a place where we can provide hope for our children, and that does not come uh, from the past period that we're leaving now, thank goodness. Well, uh, yeah, uh, go ahead, Cynthia, sorry. Well, just to tag on to that, I mean, really what we're entering into is a stage where we join our, our, our mind and emotions and, and use our intention in the most positive way possible and understand that our intention has more um, force in the world than we realize. Where do you think then that the UFO phenomena, crop circles, orbs, where do these fit in? What are we to make then in light of what you just said about this you know, expansion of global consciousness or certainly the need for this evolution in global consciousness, this rocky road that we're traveling along now? Where do, the, where do UFOs and, and orbs and crop circles fit into all this? I think what is squeezing both of those subjects, what I think uh, they are doing, and others also, they're really placing us through a fine filter. They're squeezing out of us those better elements, and they're also tasking us with developing, maturing the intuitive, the sixth sense, that that you feel, as Cynthia was saying, that you you think of a person, the phone rings. You have a thought which feels unnatural to you, and, and some people will question it as being their own, and others will simply react to it. Um, uh, but uh, this is kind of where it gets uh, a little bit more um, unusual. And, and uh, starting with the crop circles, I think that's probably the, the place to go. That's where I started. Uh, those interactions that I was referring to earlier, I, I'll give you a couple of very quick examples. You'll see exactly what I'm, where I'm coming from. Um, this is a Tai Chi instructor now I'm referring to who one day several years ago now decided with his younger brother to uh, manufacture, make uh, a flower of life crop circle. Uh, his brother was ill this particular night and they were unable to, to get out in the fields to manufacture it. But in the very field that they had planned to do so was an enormous, larger than they had intended to make, uh, flower of life of the same design appeared that particular night. There are others, uh, much more uh, extraordinary, much more bizarre, where we've now traced both ends of, of a of cascading uh, sequence of thoughts and, and events, uh, starting with a dozen, actually 11, women who uh, had planned to do a meditation night. They hadn't chosen the place or what they would meditate on, but they finished up in a field close to Stonehenge in central southern England. This is in detail in the book with others. Um, and they meditated, uh, strangely, all agreeing on a particular pattern, 
that came to them independently during that sequence and requested it in their meditation. Some people will call it prayer, but I'll just stick with meditation for now. It doesn't matter. It's a, it's a thought process and a transmission. That design, and in the very field where they were stood, the design appeared, and it appeared and was manufactured by a young man, uh, Matthew Williams is his name, um, who was watching television uh, just a normal evening, and suddenly got an urge and a design in his head, which he thought he could manufacture. He went out, followed his nose in his motor car, finished up in the very field where the, the women were transmitting through that process for the very design that he then basically accommodated in that complete process. There's not a lot of difference between, in my view, and the work that we've done here, um, as, you know, uh, executed by people like Dr. Stephen Greer uh, and others, many others, who have vectored in position by another mind process, a UFO in the sky, flashing lights at that UFO, at that single light source in the sky, and it then reacting to them, and I've been present myself to see this, as of many of your listeners, I'm sure, one flash, two flash, three flashes, and on, and the light in the sky is responding to it. So there's very little difference, but what it is is interaction and the engagement of a higher part of our minds. And I think that that really goes a long way with where the book takes you. This is interesting because if I'm hearing you correctly, not wanting to put words in your mouth, but this is fascinating. Are you suggesting then that the crop circle phenomena, the UFO phenomena, may not be extraterrestrial in nature. It may simply be a reflection or a product of our own minds. That is correct. I'm suggesting that it might be that, or an engagement of our mind by that as one source. In other words, yes, it could well be that this is a program run on Earth by humans, uh, in other words, some kind of mind control function, it is perfectly possible we don't go because we were unable to go as far as to what is the source? What is the source of this intelligence? That's the only criticism I've heard, and I only had that one from one person with the book, was that we don't nail the source. Well, if, I, you know, if we were able to do so, we would have done so. I certainly don't feel in any position to be able to say, this is God, you know, this is extraterrestrial, um, this is our own minds. What we can say is what we have said, and that our minds are positively part of this process. But it isn't all to do with us. You know, one, one questions what consciousness itself is, and we say there really isn't an adequate definition when one when is talking about our mind and how it works. Consciousness is the act of awareness, the substance of form, and the force through which we experience life. It is personal and it is collective. It directs us. It's carried on energy, and yet it, it isn't energy. It's something beyond. And so when we extend our awareness and intent to use that force of our consciousness, we can manifest and change our surroundings. I think, All right. Uh, I gotta, Rick, sorry to we, jump in here, Colin. I'm sorry. Sure. Uh, we'll uh, take a time out, come back, and uh, continue to talk about all of these things that are on the edge of reality. Colin and Cynthia Andrews, stay with us. 
Where there's smoke, there's The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Colin Andrews and Cynthia Andrews uh, stay with us. On the edge of reality, hidden technology, powers of the mind, quantum physics, paranormal phenomena, orbs, UFOs, harmonic transmissions, and crop circles. And uh, you were talking about uh, what appears to be the connection with our own uh, psychic abilities uh, and the UFO phenomena, the crop circle phenomena. And I couldn't help but notice that you've got another a quote on the back of your book from uh, Grant Cameron, of course, a noted Canadian ufologist uh, and a uh, gentleman who's been on this program many times. And on this program, uh, uh, Grant, and also, of course, before the citizen hearing uh, in, in Washington back in, uh, in April, Grant was talking about this connection between ESP tele- telepathy and the, the UFO phenomena. And he, t- and he told the story of uh, uh, having a conversation with Dr. Eric Walker, who was the, the uh, former president at, uh, of Penn State University, no less, and uh, was involved, I believe he was the chairman of the board of the Institute for Defense Analysis, and, and uh, so I had great connections with a lot of military brass. He was friends with Vannevar um, Bush. And so Cameron was talking to him about UFOs and, the, and also Walker's uh, connection, alleged connection with this MJ-12 group. Uh, Majestic 12, and he asked, and he, so he asked Walker, Cameron did, you know, what can you tell me about MJ-12? Uh, and, and did you have contact with aliens? And, and, and how do these flying saucers operate? And Walker told him, or asked him, how good is your sixth sense? How much do you know about ESP? And he okay. said, unless you know about it and how to use it, you will not be taken in. Uh, I, right. referring to Majestic 12. That's it. Yeah, that, that's a very, very powerful, um, uh, quote from, from Grant. Um, yeah, I mean, I, that, that kind of says it all. And, and I, I very strongly, uh, agree, uh, with that, with that statement. A sixth sense, uh, the maturing development to, uh, to a much more, uh, spiritual, um, entity, which, you know, is, is clearly what we, we have to evolve to be, uh, is, is what's at stake. I think that that's there. It's in the offing. It's on the horizon, but we're we're far from there. Uh, we are far from there. I I think um, if if I may just kind of mention a, a, an experience that Cynthia and I had, um, which kind of really well, it blew me away. That's for sure. Uh, you know, the, remember, you know, I'm I'm the engineer that's kind of struggled with a lot of this up and certainly up until about 20 years ago. You know, always looking for the yes, no, black, white, you know, very straightforward um, problems because, of course, engineers resolve problems. Uh, this, this has been very different. This whole research uh, uh, route has been very different for me and at times uh, difficult. You know, when you have a, an experience, many of the others were telling me of their experiences and then I began to have them myself once I got involved with this in 83 um it, it's bizarre stuff and you know i i had left my first marriage uh, disintegrated uh, as much as a result of this work as anything um you know i left my country in england and came to america um uh, back in the early 90s and uh, cynthia and i met and obviously eventually married and we were together asleep neither of us had a home at that time you know we, we had we were both in our second marriages, and we were asleep in her mum's house and uh, fast asleep. Middle of the night, um, we both woke. 
instantaneously an event took place with me first i couldn't move and um it was just an amazing uh, i can only term it as a download of very pure uh, very accurate detailed information related to patterns appearing uh, crop the crop patterns appearing in order in very fast movie in front of my eyes across the landscape around Stonehenge in southern England. And these formed an equilateral triangle. It gave me the placement of Stonehenge with regard to that and how important that geometry was uh, for the future. And uh, just as if something turned down that connection that I was having with something, um, I, felt it, I felt it changing. And I, could be, I began to move again. I could move. I looked across at Cynthia, um, wanting to talk to her, basically wake her and tell her about this. Her eyes are open. and Maybe I should just leave her to tell you what, what happened uh, from her perspective. Yes, Cynthia, take it away. Well, we actually woke up simultaneously, and I could see, you know, I, 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 energetically I could see him expanding. It was like he just became larger than life and and I'm lying there kind of feeling the energy coming from him and and then it deflated and when he deflated I expanded and in the expansion that I had with and this interaction with a light and I can only say that it was a light that was alive it wasn't the way that we look at light it was living light Um, I received the same information he had received about designs in the landscape I received about geometries in the body, um, starting with a triangular geometry between the palms of the hand and the third eye and the forehead, and, and that when you, that using this geometry in different ways, you activated different parts of your, of your awareness and your perceptions, and so it was a fascinating thing that both of us received the exact same information, him for the landscape and me for the body. All right, uh, there's that music coming up again, so we'll step away for a moment, come back and continue to talk about high strangeness. I do want to get to the the Norwegian spiral anomaly back in, I guess it was 2009, and uh, how that might all figure into this. And time permitting, I want to talk about orbs as well, because this is something that uh, has started to sort of gnaw uh, at my consciousness. I'm starting to find more and more orbs showing up in my photographs floating around my head and different loved ones. Find out what that might mean as well. Back with more of my conversation with Colin and Cynthia Andrews on the edge of reality. Big Brother is listening, and so are you, to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Colin and Cynthia Andrews uh, with us investigators of the high strange and uh, uh, paranormal phenomena we're talking about. Uh, well, just hidden technology, powers of the mind, uh, orbs, UFOs. I want to talk about the, the Norwegian spiral uh, back in 2009, appeared in the night sky over Norway, and was photographed from northern Norway and Sweden, and it had this blue beam of light, grayish spiral emanating from one end of it. And I'm just wondering, what do you think, the significance of that was the Norwegian spiral well this is another one uh, regrettably where one has to say one doesn't know what it actually was the Russians as I, I think you'll, you'll know the Russian military did claim that it was a rocket that it, they had lost control of uh, that uh, basically effectively disintegrated as it rose up into the atmosphere 
Um, I uh, have a very good friend in the space industry, uh, uh, a NASA contractor, uh, a PhD in this business, and um, he was one of those who certainly uh, easily convinced me that there was much more to it than that, and that in fact, it could not have been uh, the rocket as explained by the Russians, uh, because the um, the spiral itself was a very even uh, um, symmetrical spiral uh, as the object rose into the atmosphere uh, if that had been a rocket rising up through the atmosphere into thinner layers of the atmosphere the actual thickness width of each of the spiral rotations would have widened um, enlarged it non-symmetrical uh, is what you would have and, and one has seen on many other um, uh, catastrophic launchings uh, in this country and in, in other countries. Uh, what I think put the feather in the cap for me was shortly after I had this or was having this discussion uh, w with the scientists concerned um, when another one showed up in China and a further one in England and another on the uh, west coast, I beg your pardon, east coast of Australia. Um, and so we, we don't know what, what they were. Um, we felt um, there was some debate between us on this, whether the new technologies should be inserted in the book. Um, but, you know, when we, we have secret technology uh, challenging, uh, obviously challenging a challenged system, an Earth system, uh, one, I think, can anticipate uh, other new phenomena to appear. Uh, this may well have been. Uh, a one of those new phenomena. Uh, there are others we, we refer to in the book. One of the most bizarre, uh, where, which we still continue to get reports of, um, as weird as it sounds, as our black plastic bags. That's exactly what they look like until they morph into orbs, into uh, oblongs, to um, circles, and uh, they, they change in size, they react, they have manner and behavior. Uh, the one that Cynthia and I saw ourselves uh, uh, was interaction with some crows, some black rooks, I'm not sure what you would call them in Canada. We call them crows, um, yes, crows, crows or yeah. ravens. That's right, yeah. Well, we, we were watching this, this whole thing unfolding, and no more than a couple of hundred feet away from us, um, and the birds were dive-bombing this object uh, until it, it shrunk in size and uh, shot off up into the sky. So, you know, these high strangest events uh, are escalating. Uh, they are, you know, completely outside of the conventional books that uh, many of us have studied over the years. So I don't know what, I don't know what the spiral, the Norway spiral was, uh, but there were uh, four others uh, very much uh, like it. You hinted that it may be some sort of hidden technology. Are, are we talking about some sort of a harp uh, type a situation? Yes, I, th I think that that is that is quite possible. You know, I, I'm, I'm continuing to be um, uh, researching the the chemtrail uh, phenomena that's going on. We did include that also in the book because we were able to prove that uh, they exist and that they are real. Uh, you know, a number of individuals have broken ranks, uh, whistleblowers within the programs concerned. The Australian situation is one where um, 
you know, unusual clouds uh, continue to be seen. They have now for four years. The radar patterns, which I first got involved in myself in the study of this um, three years ago, uh, I was able to, to find the correlation with the patterns that appear on their national uh, radar across um, Australia uh, and relate those particular patterns within days to extreme changes in weather conditions. It, of course, denied by the uh, Australian government uh, to, to be anything they were aware of and not involved in. And indeed, they even explained the radar themselves in very conventional terms. If you look at the web, their website now, this is the Bureau of Meteorology in Australia, acknowledging there is still to this day an unknown interference, uh, is what they're calling these patterns. There is an acknowledgement from Queensland government that they are uh, involved in weather modification programs. And so, uh, you know, the, these things uh, are, are part and parcel of our changing environment, some good and some not so good. Well, whenever you have uh, – several years ago, there were a, a bunch of uh, scientists who gathered down. I think it was in San Diego, and they talked about, you know, the need at some point in the future. Uh, they, t- they call it geoengineering, the need yeah. in the future to, to dump – I don't know, millions of, of tons of aluminum particulates into yeah. the atmosphere to forestall yeah. whatever. So what yeah. I, what my feeling is that whenever scientists gather and tell you we, we need to do this in the future, that's them basically tipping their hats saying, we're doing it now, but we're telling yeah. you we're going to do it in the future. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. And uh, uh, it, 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 I don't think there's any question that the, the, that level of uh, particulates in the atmosphere and, of course, eventually on the ground is uh, not doing the health of many, many people any good whatsoever. But their program they, that they would seem to be involved in is to increase reflectivity of harmful um, um, penetration of, uh, of rays from the sun, ultraviolet and so on, into our atmosphere and to try and attempt to reverse um, global warming would seem to be what they are about. And damn uh, the collateral so, damage. <laughs> absolutely right, Richard. Well, you know, there's a couple of things. There's two things going on here. One, we're talking about uh, uh, this global consciousness, an expansion in global consciousness, an evolution, if you will, in global consciousness and our, and, and, uh, uh, our, our perceptions uh, of what we, what we now label as paranormal. Uh, are, 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 are intensifying. And then the other thing that's happening is these, I guess the Gnostics called them the archons, or the, you know, the rulers of this world, uh, making war on us. You know, they call it a war on terrorism, but the enemy is really, it seems to be us. You know, the useless eaters, as Kissinger is said to have called us. I'm wondering, yeah. are the two things related? Uh, I... You know, it's a hard one. It's very much a hard one. What I find is that I'm interested in all of those fields. I get angry with them. At times I find it difficult to to deal with the the internal emotion that peps up inside of me. You know, the disrespect the politicians and some of these multinationals have for us, the eaters, as as you were saying, is very difficult to deal with. But because there is such an overwhelming um, number of problems 
on our planet. I don't think we can each individually uh, take on the battle of each of them. You know, I, I felt some years ago that, um, you know, you choose your battles and uh, get in, go, you know, step forward and go 100% for what it is you believe or what it is you, uh, you're, you're interested in. And so I, I've kind of stuck with the sciences, but... Um, I'm very prepared to think well outside the box, as you can see in the book, one has had to do so. And eventually, what you see as being real and important, beyond these creatures that run a lot of these organizations that we're referring to here, um, you know, there's something much more powerful. these, These people are individuals. Some are faceless. They are numbers on a door in the Pentagon and so on. You know, these, these are uh, as frail as anybody else when it comes down to our climate, when it comes down to the higher mind, when it comes down to whose program ultimately is at work. So um, I, I think there's just too much to take on board as an individual right across the whole gambit of, you know, human activity. Right. I'm just wondering, I guess, uh, let me throw this out to Cynthia, and, and we're just in the final moments here, but I guess what I'm getting at is these, uh, who's ever in charge, you know, if you want to call them the unelected oligarchs or what have you, pick your term, they they fear they are losing control. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, we are, we are voting with our feet. We are walking away from many of the old institutions. They are crumbling around us. Uh, and, and part of the reason, as you both have pointed out, that we are sort of walking away is because of this evolution in our consciousness and that we are, we are realizing, uh, that, that our re- the reality is not what's being spoon-fed to us like, uh, like so much pablum by the, you know, the mainstream media. There's something else going on backstage. We're, try- we're starting to wake up to that. Uh, and these, I use the term archons, uh, are, are scared to death that, that they're uh, losing control. I couldn't agree with you more, and I think that it goes right back to what you had said earlier about Grant Cameron and the idea that our psychic abilities and when we really activate who we are as individuals, when we connect with each other and activate our intent, we are more powerful than they really, um, than they can come to terms with. And when we walk away from the systems and we create something in its place that, that doesn't come from the same foundation, I think it's very scary. And I think that's why all the hidden technologies exist to try and control populations, to try and control our minds. I think mind control is the biggest thing, um, you know, that, that is in development right now. One of the chapters in the book that we put in is what the military is doing with mind control right now, and it is mind-boggling. It's mind-boggling. It is. It's beyond most of our capacity to comprehend. Mm-hmm. I kicked off the show talking about, for example, this horrible shooting at the Washington Navy Yard and all no. the similarities that you see with, with that and many of the other mass shootings. And one can't help but wonder whether this mind control program plays a part in these things. But mm-hmm. one almost hesitates to bring it up, certainly in, you know, in, yeah. in, uh, in, yeah. in certain companies. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I Yes, it's one of the most worrying aspects to this work. You know, I don't think we've probably time to go into, you know, how the motor and mirror neurons work in our in our minds and our brains and how powerful we are as human beings you know the remote viewing for example which is a you know, fairly large section in the book you know it, it's it's a very um, very powerful tool and we're all able to do it 
uh, with training, um, it, it, it's an extraordinary skill, but misused and abused. And unfortunately, that uh, you know always seems to finish up that way uh, when it comes to military application. Um, so yes, I'm with you absolutely, Richard. It's um, it, it's a worrying a worrying sight. This. Well, Colin and Cynthia, I really appreciate your time tonight. Congratulations on on the edge of reality. I appreciate your time tonight. Thank you Thank very you much so indeed. Much. Thanks, Richard. All right, the website. Your portal to The Conspiracy Show is www.richardserret.com, S-Y-R-E-T-T.com. Say hello on Twitter, at Richard Serrett, and as always, follow the truth.